the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 107. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am great. And I'll tell you why, because I slept for nine hours last night, and (laughs) boy, that just sets me right. That's like the magic elixir, isn't it? Really is. It really is. And again, how how did I go without sleep for so long? I I don't know. I I I I looking back, I barely functioned. I know I'm shaking my head while you're talking because I'm just remembering like staying up so late, getting up, feeling so parched. Yes. I remember just that parched feeling. Yes. Oh. Or even if I passed out, you know, at 930 <laughs> or 10, I would still wake up at two right. and then pretty much be wide awake or just have that restless sleep. Yeah. Old alarm went off. Oh, gross. Yeah. We don't have to do that anymore, right? Oh my God. I, well, I went to bed at 6 PM last night. So, um, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I had so much still to do, but I was like, I can't do anything else. I've done so many things today. I have to stop. And then I woke up at like eight and I was like, I don't think my taxes got filed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was tax day. Um, they did. My accountant just did not communicate it. And I guess when you file an extension, you don't have to sign anything, which I find very peculiar. I don't know. Yeah, I, I never file taxes. an extension. So, oh, you don't? That's not your. I'm still, your... I'm still a quite a teenager in many respects. <laughs> you sound like a kept woman, my dear. Yes, that is because I happen to marry this guy who takes uh, on all that sort of responsibility, and it really it doesn't take two people to do it, you know. So, he he takes all that on bills, taxes, all that stuff. And um, it's not that I can't do it. And it's not that I've never done it. I mean, there were many years that that was my role, but it's no longer my role. Now, you know, God forbid something happens to my husband, then I will have to do it again, which I've done it before. So I could do it again, but sure. Yeah, no, we, I was um, talking to my therapist yesterday um, and it was like, that's just my delegation. That's been my delegation. My whole marriage is that that's my thing. Um, So it's interesting because this year I kind of, you know, I I did so much work on it and submitted it and I just had to, I was working on letting go, you know, March was step three. I was working on letting go and mine was um, over-functioning. So it was like, I know the accountant always gets it done. I don't need to follow up. I don't need to keep checking on things. I don't need to have this worry. Right. So Sandra, I actually let it go. You did until eight o'clock last night. And then (laughs) last night before I took that nap, I was like, huh, I haven't really seen anything. That's um, unusual. And uh, so I sent a little little email out and then I took this quote unquote nap 
And when I woke up, I was like, then I went into panic mode a little bit. And my accountant was like, you told me it was a go on Sunday, so you don't have to do anything. And it was huh. interesting how, how f- for since I, the beginning of March until April 15th, I didn't really think about it. I did yeah. let it go. Well, you didn't waste <laughs> all that time stressing right. over it and worrying about it. Right. I spent a good amount of time, you know, before that, just getting everything pulled together. But, um, so that was a lesson, you know, I mean, it could have, it could have gone the other way, of course, but, um, but I had to trust that, yeah, he's been doing the taxes for 20 years. He probably is going to file. He probably knows time. when the date is. Yeah, yeah. he knows. <laughs> <laughs> but when I woke up, I was wide awake until 1.30 in the morning. And I haven't, you know, stayed up at home that late in so long. But I just really enjoyed my company, Sandra. I had a really nice time. Oh. Just doing so all the you things like, I want to do. Oh, you got actually got out of bed? Oh, yeah. Oh, Got out of bed. I did some homework and drawing and I listened to podcasts and took notes, got ready for today. Did a bunch of things that have been on my list. I don't know. I just had another surge last night after I took that power nap. Hmm. Hmm. That's unusual. That is not my normal. Yeah. It's like we've talked about, I've been trying to shut it down after five, um, inspired by you just saying like, you know, you hit kind of a hard stop. Um, but yeah, every once in a while I get those surges, ride them when they come because they do not come often. True. That is true. Yeah. You, yeah, you're right. When you get that energy surge, it, yeah, I ride them all every time. Um, did you, I know, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I think you had a pretty rad weekend, right? I did. I think that's why I was so tired was still <laughs> just, you know, when you're working on a big project and you're just kind of plugging along at it, it doesn't feel, and then there's like right before the deadline. So then there's crunch time. And like, you know, I had gotten, uh, four hours of sleep or whatever, five hours of sleep, um, before my photo shoot, it was, I mean, it was so fun doing it. And then I was very much in the moment. It was so fun doing it so far. The results have gone, been beyond my expectations. So I would say that it was a complete success. But that night, um, there was a dinner with the Austin ladies and Becky Vollmer. Yeah, because she was in town for her uh, yoga workshop. And um, so we had, we had a text thread, you know, for several weeks before planning a dinner. And so that was that night and I was really tired, but of course I wasn't going to miss it. Um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> so Becky, so I walk, I so I was about 10 minutes late because there was some net, not so traffic around where the restaurant was. And um, I walk in and Becky, I knew everybody at the table, but I'd never met Becky. And so she stands up and she gives me a hug and she's like, wait, what kind of hug is that? I want her like a real, she starts instructing me on how to hug her. And I just go, okay, don't fucking tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And she, (laughs) and so she stopped telling me what to do and how to hug her. This is your first time meeting Becky Vollmer. (laughs) Don't fucking tell me what to do. Get off me right now. (laughs) 
I'm sure she laughed her ass off. Right. Yeah, she did laugh. And then I had to, you know, explain where I was coming from. (laughs) (laughs) That I was feeling a little raw. Yeah. 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 Walking in. Where did you guys meet? We went to a restaurant called Vinaigrette, which seems to be our restaurant. It was the restaurant that we uh, ate up, but I don't know, one other time when, you know, the Austin women like met up to to have dinner. And so anyway, it's a great place. They have lots of good, like non-alcoholic drinks on the menu. I think that's why it keeps getting chosen. Plus there's like salads and oh my God, they have this thing called a kale fritter. I don't know. I'll just leave it right there. It's like (laughs) a ball of kale probably some cheese in it fried mm. with a, a you know, sriracha, like a spicy mayo sauce. Ugh. So you'll anyway. take me there when we, when I, whenever I visit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was very fun. It was a very lovely dinner and then, yeah. And then the weekend just kept going with family stuff. And I think I just, yeah, yesterday I was like, Oh, can't do it. Even though I had so much to do and I, still knocked off all the menial tasks, but man, I was tired. Good thing we can multitask, right? And have all these, it's, that's what lately, it just seems like everything's coming together. Like it's this web, right? But it's like concentrated in the middle, like where it starts. And it just feels like, I I don't know, it's too many, too many um, things on the calendar, too many things to get done. And they're kind of floating in my brain. I usually try to write them all down. But it just feels like a lot. And I know because May is coming. You know how on Game of Thrones they say like winter is coming? Right. Like for me, it's like May is coming. Right. <laughs> a million days of May, school for Grady, myself. And just my husband's colleague goes away every May. So I don't see him for most of the month. And it's just, uh, it's like he's gone, basically. Uh-huh. So, um, so yeah, I think I'm kind of getting ready for that. <laughs> Winter and May is coming. Yes. Right. Right. See, I had forgotten all about that until you just reminded me. Sorry. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I don't know what to say. About um, let's see. Anything you want to promote, my dear? Uh, sure. I will promote a couple of things. Um, as this airs, I will still uh, be promoting my 30% off of everything in my marketplace sale, um, which is off of all clothing. There's a meditation pillow in there. You can even take it off of my $12, uh, ebook. Wow. Yeah. I know. I know. That's nice. The only thing it will exclude is any upcoming offers and or programs hint hint um do tell well those will be excluded i will go ahead and announce this so i am going to be announcing probably it will already have been announced as this airs um that starting may 1st i am going to be offering well i'll be offering it before and they will start may 1st one-on-one um mentoring experiences is what I'm calling them. Oh, I love it. Tell Um, me more. Tell me more. Well, it's going to be called Change Your Story, and it's going to be offered for any woman who is ready to start something big, Mm -hmm. something that feels overwhelming. Uh, It could be a creative project. Um, 
just a life improvement project, um, anything where you feel like you need some coaching and a cheerleader Mm. um, and someone who can set some parameters and help you chunk things out. That's going to be me. So I have mentioned on here many times that I cannot write a program because it doesn't interest me enough. And what I figured out was uh, me to 25 people at once, I think, doesn't interest me enough because I want to see, I will only benefit if I see uh, progress being made. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that that's the, my solution is the mentoring. I love it. A mentorship. I love it. Yes. Well, you're so good. I mean, you're like the perfect person to do that, Sandra. And you walk the walk. So it's really nice. I'm sure that um, people that are going to be, that are drawn to you anyway, naturally, are and, and that are looking for something like this, like a change that, yeah, it's a natural fit. And the one-on-one attention, I think, is really uh, magic for both people. Right. And you're right. I have done it. So I think I can speak from experience. Um, So yeah, I'm excited about it. And hopefully I will uh, get to work with someone listening to this right now. Oh, I love it. it. Yeah. I love how that switched for you. It did switch for me. Just the last recording, you were like, nah, I know before. And then you like the next day you're like, well, Okay, pivot, right? That's what I had to pivot. Yeah, I had to change my I had to change I had to pivot a little bit and change my and reframe how I was thinking about it. And then I got really excited. And so it's something I'm looking forward to. If you know, if if May goes well, I hope to continue doing it. I love it for you. I think this is perfect. It's time. Plus I have to say Lori Massicott coached me a little bit and just told me, just fucking do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. I know. <laughs> she is such a good friend and such a great uh, inspiration for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, good. What okay, about you? So May 1st. That's exciting. Um, well, I kind of quietly launched something and it is going to be up to, up to 25 people because I kind of like that. Right. Um, and I took my Groove course and reinterpreted it into a five-week course. Nice. And the feedback I got was that it was really dense. And, um, I, uh, what, what the project that people liked or that were drawn to is my ray of light project when I did those black and white photos and mixed media. Sure. And so I kind of structured a course and it's going to be called shine and it's going to be the same thing. A five week online, um, creative workshop for curious beginners is kind of how I'm marketing it. And we'll have five weeks of calls and five weeks of Q&A work sessions. So Mondays will be the calls, Saturdays will be a live uh, work session if people have questions um, or if they're working on their project and they need help. Um, I'm not super excited about creating a tutorial Mm -hmm. or filming it. I kept trying to do that and to how to make my ray of lights. I have zero interest in that. Mm -hmm. I was like, what I'm interested in is the women's stories um, helping them kind of figure that out. Um, the whole idea of who do you think you are, right? Right. I, I heard that in Becky's workshop. Um, I heard that my whole life from my dad. Um, and when I was up in Orcas Island this last week, it was like, uh, you know, you have the story of what was, and then in recovery, we know that we can change that story. Right. And so that's kind of what I'm going to center it around. Um, I'm going to talk about, uh, 
routines and rituals and how they're important accountability. So like what you're doing, like having that one-on-one, you have an accountability partner, sure, right? Somebody that you have to be accountable to. I'm that really works for me. The type of mm-hmm. that, I am, that really works. So I want to be that for some people and, but I'm just testing it out as well. That's why it's at the price that it is. It's going to be $222. Um, it is basically 10 hours of, of zoom calls, which I think is a lot. So when you break it all down, per hour, how much, um, how much it is. I think it's like 20 bucks an hour or something. And so, um, yeah, that's what I'm offering. It's on my website. It's called shine. I just released it last week to my newsletter subscribers first. And if anybody has questions, they can email me or hit me on Instagram or let me know. And that's going to, I'm going to launch that on June 3rd. That sounds great. And isn't it wonderful when you can, yeah, when you can, um, kind of parse down what lights you up personally, Mm -hmm. like how you will benefit from it. And it will just make you a better teacher. Yeah. I, I get a lot of good advice from Amanda Grace. Mm -hmm. She told me a couple months ago or before I was making the group project, she said something to me that I, I just haven't forgotten. And she said, research yourself. Yeah. You know, just research yourself, Tammy. What have you already done that you already have that is natural that you're you kind of overlook because we keep doing the next thing and the next thing. Right. And you know, as we get kind of like squirrel, you know, <laughs> you go off. To this sure. Other but what have you done that, that brought you to this point and like kind of. Right. Like it? mine, your own experiences, mm-hmm. yeah. mine, you know, what you're good at, what makes you laugh, what lights you up, what gives you energy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that for me and that's on the website and that felt, I I think we'll talk about that a little bit when we get through what we're going to talk about today, but that's, that's there for everybody if they would like um, to check it out. It's on my website. Very exciting. Yeah. And our websites are both on SoundCloud. You can get access our links pretty easily. Um, Sandra's website's there, mine. Um, iTunes rating is there. Our Patreon account is there so you can donate. Um, so that's all you can find that in SoundCloud in the, in the, sh- underneath the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. we are going to talk today about discomfort zones, yeah. restlessness, mm-hmm. both same, both, <laughs> all of the all those really good, good, awesome feelings. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what happened, if, if you don't mind me starting off, Sandra, no, go ahead. I, I had listened to um, Rob Bell's episode 231, um, An Anatomy of Restlessness. And after I listened to that, I think I, I don't know if I texted you or said something or you're like, oh, I already listened to that. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a good one. And I was like, it was so good. And I was driving at the time and couldn't take all the notes, but when he was going through the whole episode, it just felt like our listeners would really dig that episode. So I highly recommend that. We're going to kind of riff on it because we also want to talk about discomfort zones. And basically what I, what I kind of gleaned from it all, Sandra, was that restlessness and discomfort zones, they're talking to us. Mm-hmm. They're giving us really valuable information. Right. And when we're kind of, I don't know if it's spiritually fit or um, emotionally fit when we, when we are, we can, we can kind of grab onto them and do something with them. But when we're not, (laughs) when we're in like a kind of the sad state or in a state of, you know, victimhood or um, 
feeling less than, I could never quite understand what my body or what my mind was trying to tell me when I had those feelings. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like I wanted to talk about it a little bit, like what, when you get the discomfort, what it's like, and when you push through, um, you know, how you come out the other side, I'm almost always delighted when I push through the discomfort. Right. It doesn't feel that way, but at the time, but I, and it's like usually the end where we're going. So that's yeah. what I kind of gathered. I'd love to hear how you want to. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about it too, because my discomfort areas look different now. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them have carried over from, from before, before I got into recovery, but, but many of them look pretty different uh, now. And, and my response to them obviously is very different. <laughs> right. Because my solution before was always to drink alcohol. Right. And now I have different solutions. But um, I took a lot of notes, too, on, you know, what what my particular discomforts were uh, before, though, when I was drinking. And, and, you know, and some of them, like I said, still are, you know, reoccurring. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, do we want to... Um... Well, he has a little definition. I thought I just said it, um, you know, because I'm a definition person. So I know, I don't think you are, right? Mm, not necessarily, but. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I just, he talked about how restlessness rarely dwells in your rational thinking capacity and that it usually resides in the center of your being, like your soul or your heart. Mm-hmm. And I thought that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Like I know, like right now in my life today, I am in a completely restless, um, I have restlessness for sure. And it's interesting. And so we could talk about that later, but I thought it isn't, it's not in my mind necessarily. It's like, I could feel it in my body. Sure. And I get that. yeah, I'm not sure. Sh- I'm not sure what to do with it, but after listening to these things, I have some ideas, but just like the fact that it's just there. And when I was drinking, I would just drink at it. Sure. Yeah. Because it, it makes it go away. <laughs> it numbs it. Right. Totally. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he talked about how you, you can feel it in your bones or it's like a phone is ringing and you have to answer it. And it was like, I would feel all those things, Sandra, but then I would go out and check out. Or I would come home and check out and I would, could never, and we've talked about this, like that barstool brilliance, I think is what you called it. Like you'd mm-hmm. have all these ideas and how you're going to shift and change and create. So the restlessness was like breeding this creativity. And then I just shut it the fuck down, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like never, I tamp it down because it, it was almost like it was too much. It was like my body couldn't handle it. Right. Right. It's like that biblical um, it's not biblical. It's from the gospel of Thomas. Like what you aren't bringing forth will destroy you. Mm. You know, it's that, that feeling. Um, and right. Because, because drinking does diminish the feelings for sure. It definitely shuts them down, but, but also what it does is it digs that hole even deeper that you're stuck in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, um, well, I don't know. Should we do some examples or how do we? Well, yeah. I mean, I can talk about a big one for me and I bet you can relate to this. I bet every listener can relate to the feeling of overwhelm. 
Um, that one is a, that's a big, that's a big discomfort feeling for me. Um, it feel, it makes me feel restless. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, before when I was drinking, I would let overwhelm just completely shut me down. Mm. Um, you know, and it, it was usually always about, it used to always be something about scarcity. Like there's not enough time. Mm. There's not enough money. I don't have enough energy. I don't know where to start. Um, anything I needed to make me help me move forward. Um, you know, it was just, there was an endless opportunity just for me to be stuck with overwhelm. And, um, I mean, there's, there's lots of ways overwhelm can happen too. It's, it starts from like what compare and despair where you're looking around and going, uh, that person's already, you know, a hundred steps in front of me. I'll never get there. Or if you're only looking at your own personal goals and you're thinking, I, I will, you know, I will never get there. I don't know where to start. Um, or if you feel like sh um, sometimes when you feel like you're going to show up, you may look like an amateur instead of a professional. Right. Yeah. You know, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, and you will at first, mm -hmm. but, you but you have to do it anyway. But that's, that's the hard thing that you can't tell yourself um, when you're, um, for me, that that's like drama, right? Like that's right. the drama of the situation when we're telling ourselves this, when we're telling like, I I'm not good enough or I can't do that or that's not available to me. Right, right. Just that whole big feeling of of overwhelm um, is uh, just. I think that one. And and like I said, I I I didn't have my. I only had one solution for that. Okay. <laughs> when I was drinking, yes. <laughs> and that was alcohol. Right. Um. Temporary solution, right? Temporary solution, yeah. exactly. Because we all know it only worsened it. It only exasperated the feeling. But it's interesting that we still looked for a solution, Sandra. I want to point that out. Like, we're, we're crafty that way. <laughs> right. Women are, I, I feel, I mean, I don't know about men, but as a woman, I just feel solution-based. And it's interesting, like, like, sometimes the solution can be just a really crappy one. Sure. Yeah. So like all that was available. So there was just like one solution, overwhelm equals drink. But now that I have more clarity or that I'm not drinking, I'm sure for you too, right? Your solutions are vast. You have lots of choices. Right. Right. And you know, so, I mean, it's sometimes it's hard to even think of it this way, but um, alcohol as a solution was also kind of a bit of a survival mechanism too, because I can't tell you, you know, I mean, there were times that I was so low and so stuck that, um, I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't say that I was completely suicidal, but I've, I've talked about this before. There were definitely times where if I just didn't wake up that next day, eh, all right. You know, like that's how strong the overwhelm would feel for me. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. That feeling of powerlessness. And I think that's what, what Rob Bell was talking about in the episode when he talked about it. Um, 
like the spirit of lack Mm -hmm. it's driven by this belief that the universe is a place of lack or that there's not enough. Right. That's what I said. It comes back to scarcity. It comes back to scarcity. There's not enough time. There's not a piece of pie for me. There's only one pie and all the pieces are taken or there's, you know, my ship has sailed. All Mm. of those, all of those things lend to it. It's all about scarcity. Yeah. But it's, but we can shift that too, right? Like, that spirit of lack, like we could talk about, um, what did he talk about? He could talk about creating a prayer or a mantra for it. Do you remember that? He talked I, about how, how, how the spirit, so you have the spirit of overwhelm and that spirit only operates in, um, let's say like options. Spirit is only there to do like good stuff, new, new stuff. Like it's there to, um, empower and activate. And so in, instead, like that, that feeling of overwhelm is actually probably prompting you to do something about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's always a call to action. Yeah. Um, definitely. And I mean, I know intuitively that when I'm in the flow with something, mm-hmm. my whole spirit, mood, everything is elevated. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? For mm-hmm. me, that's the opposite of overwhelm is being in the flow. But your overwhelm, that spirit of overwhelm, like helps you get there. Yes. It's like necessary. It's like a necessary feeling. Yeah. 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 I can see how it's necessary. It's definitely an invitation. Right. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe not necessary, but yeah, an invitation because you can answer that or not. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, um, yeah, his prayer, I just looked at, he said, um, say this prayer or this mantra when this happens, right? So when the spirit of overwhelm comes, like, show me my options is the prayer. Mm. Like, show me my options. And I liked that so much because it was so simple and not like a prayer at all, right? (laughs) Show me my options. And sometimes that can still be overwhelming. (laughs) Right. Like, which one do I pick? I can't, I don't know where to start. If I, yes, yes. If I pick that one, then the other ones will go away. But then again, that comes back to scarcity. It's like, Mm. they won't go away. Pick the one thing, chunk it out, you know, Mm. however you, um, you know, stay on a task, but eventually you'll get into some kind of flow. Yeah. It may not be easy. You know, I guess that, that makes it sound like, you know, oh, I'm in the flow and then I'm just riding down the stream and, and I'm, you know, and then everything's easy. And sometimes it does feel that way, but then sometimes you have to do a little paddling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for me, the um, victimhood, kind of martyrdom, like that's my native language of how I grew up and what mm. was, mo- what was modeled. <clears throat> and that's hard. That's a hard one to, to shirk off. Although I've worked really hard all my life to do it. I, it's, it's not gone, but it comes back every once in a while. And, um, it's like total, you know, that's total disempowerment. And I think that, um, when I decided to, well, I didn't really decide to quit drinking, I guess. Like I quit drinking the day that I went to my physical. I mean, I guess that's a decision. I, you know, I wasn't going to do it anymore. But before that, like the victimhood of it, and I think sometimes when you were like the year before I quit drinking, this is what I was thinking about, like that discomfort that year prior, 
my whole life was uncomfortable. I was in the discomfort zone that whole year before I quit. And um, a little bit of the victimhood came up, that spirit of like, why can't I drink like so-and-so? Why can't I just have three? <laughs> Which is still a lot now that I think about it. But I used to think that like, sure. Why can't I just have three and just be good? No, three was like my tipping point to crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wouldn't stop after that, you know, but the third one always did it. The third one always took it to the next level. Right. Um, which could have been four five and six after that, or a fight or something. Um, but I found that like by all that discomfort that year was like, I was gathering information about myself. Um, speaking of researching yourself, but like that spirit of being uncomfortable opened me up to myself and it opened me up to these moments that I could like try to fix it. And I think that was what was interesting for me that when I did go to that physical, my spirit was kind of almost dead. You know, you're kind of filling out the paperwork, like what the fuck do I have to lose? I might as well tell her the truth of how much I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. Like I almost came to the end. And while it was uncomfortable or I didn't, it wasn't sitting well, like, it felt scary. It almost, like you said, was an invitation, you know, in the current form that I was perfectly in, I was, or that I was not perfect, that I was in, I, um, I knew that I had to remove alcohol to, to like change something. Um, but I don't, I didn't consciously go into it thinking like, I'm going to quit drinking today. When I went to that appointment, that was not in my mind. And I think that has something to do with like a higher power. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because that was not, um, that's a spiritual experience because right. It seemed outside of you. Yeah. It was like, um, I guess your invitation is making me think of like, I love that word Sandra, because it's like, it's a question too. Like, do you want to keep living like this? Do you want to keep feeling like this? And so I think for people who are struggling or who are sober curious or, or in that investigative period, when they're in the discomfort or even in the beginning of sobriety, you're in it as well, but that's a separate topic. But like, I think that before that discomfort zone before, um, it's like, I can see it now that it was screaming at me the whole year. And I kind of was clumsily going along, trying to figure out a way out. And I'm just so glad that I kind of stumbled, you know, onto it at the doctor's office that day. And mm-hmm. that, that I definitely think was my higher power because like I said, I had no intention of quitting drinking. That really did not enter my mind. Right. I knew it was a problem. I knew I probably drank too much. I thought she would maybe tell me. I don't even know what she thought. I didn't give it enough thought to it just kind of happen. And I think that was very much, yeah, my higher power at work um, that I did not believe in then that I do now. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, I have more examples of discomfort zones. Do you have more? That you oh, I have a lot more. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's okay. Talk this out. Yeah. I, think women, I think the listeners, not just women, but I think our listeners will love, I mean, I think they can relate. Right. Right. So another one for me is change. Any, mm-hmm. any change. I mean, you know, I've stayed in relationships longer than they're, you know, long past their expiration date. 
Um, I'll go f- years without rearranging furniture. You know, <laughs> I, right. I hang on to things, you know, well into indeterminate usage stage. <laughs> uh, um, so change is very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, once you, once one change, once you make a change, it begets more change. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking back, you know, motherhood was probably the first and one of the hardest change, you know, because one day you're not a mom and the next day you are. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I just, I, the, boy, the discomfort of that transition is, you know, palpable. If you're a mom, you know exactly what it is. And it takes a long, a long time to um, accept the change, accept the disruption and the upheaval. Um, but, and then, and then, you know, of course, I didn't have this reference point then when I got sober, but now I can look, you know, if I became a mother, you could do anything, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. right. It's, I mean, it, and I'm not saying that that just made sobriety a piece of cake because it certainly did not. But again, you know, then getting sober and that, you know, going through that change. And I guess doing it too in my forties, it it was so hard. But as time went on, I felt so empowered that um, you know, really, I you know, it it, it, it like I again, it beget begets more change, and then I could start looking at my life and saying, what else can I change? What else can I change? What else am I merely tolerating? Mm-hmm. What else is just kind of there and it's just good enough? Um, it's good enough. I'm tolerating it. You know, it just invites, it keeps inviting me to look at things that I'm merely tolerating. Mm. Yeah. Like, and why, you know? Wh- right. If we're, if we're kind of stuck in that place of just tolerance over our life, you know, like, I don't know. It feels like maybe that's not the point of life, right? Right. And I mean, having to look at the truth of things is very uncomfortable. You know, Mm -hmm. I learned how to avoid looking at the truth. I mean, you were talking about things you learned as a little girl. I learned how to avoid looking at truth as a little girl because my family home life was very tumultuous. It presented well to the, to outsiders. You know, no one knew what went on behind our closed doors, but inside our home, it was very chaotic. And I learned how to not look at that truth because it was, it was, you know, it was again, a survival mechanism, a form of disassociation. If I don't look at it, um, I can survive this maybe. And so, uh, you know, but, but how that translates to my life now is, you know, we talked about this a couple of episodes back that, you know, a lot of times I'd rather put things off until I'm forced to react mm-hmm. <laughs> and just keep tolerating things um, until there's like, 
you know, a reckoning or, or until I have a come to Jesus with it. Yeah. And um, so, you know, but all of those things um, inspire restlessness and discomfort for me. Well, I like, I like, I like that you have a like change in general, just it's across the board. So it kind of infiltrates all of your life because we have to change, you know, there's so many different ways. I was thinking that about, um, like I have the beautiful gift that my husband wants to build me this new studio yet. I gotta be honest, Sandra, I I'm freaking out a little bit. I don't really want to change. Right. You know, and you're like, Oh, here's this beautiful, good thing. Um, and why, you know, why is that? And, uh, you know, that's what I think in that episode that Rob talked about, it was like asking the question, like, when are you feeling this kind of feeling this uncomfortableness, this discomfort, like what's wrong with me? Like who wouldn't want a new studio? Right. Right. Why can't I be happy with it? Why can't I, um, shouldn't it just be fine? Shouldn't it just be like a gift, you know? And so then I start thinking like, there's something wrong with me, but it is that feeling like you've just said it in this nice way that it's the change that I'm not comfortable with. It's uh, right, which is a human and that's a human experience. Um, but I mean, I think about it this way too, you know, in a sliding door situation, I could still be stuck back where I was five years ago. Mm -hmm. There are some people that never change except that they get older, you know, and that's it. Oh yeah. I I know some. Yes. Yeah. And I, and kind of, um, so, so you feel the discomfort, you know, you don't want it. Right. Um, but it has to, you have to have some kind of, like we talked earlier about this, like pivot moment. Like you have to, you have to have the energy and the love and the belief behind it that you can shift things. Right. And in your studio situation, you just have to pack up one box, right? I I mean, you pack up one box and then you start, and then you'll pack up another box and then you'll pack up another box. You know what I mean? So then they kind of, you, you start getting, and then you'll start getting into a flow where it's like, building a wall brick by brick, you'll get into a flow where soon enough, you know, you'll start moving all that stuff into your new studio and your whole world's going to open up. Yeah. It's just that uncomfortable part that you have to just kind of, sometimes you just have to move through it. Yeah. Like physically move your body through it. But it's so much, I mean, it's even so much more than just a physical material things. It's almost a whole belief system that I have to uh, restructure. Right. You de- Oh, definitely. There's definitely a reframing. You know, I talk about reframing all the time and you're right. You know, like with recovery or in sob- or sobriety, really, before I even would say that I was in recovery, i part of my recovery was reframing my thinking around drinking. Like I had to reframe it from, I don't get to drink to, I don't have to drink. Right. Which is way different. Way different. And you can use that mindset for lots of things. Like, you know, you don't, you know, you, you don't have to move to a a new larger studio. You get to. (laughs) Yeah. 
No, I know. And that's the part where, I mean, I think the reason that, um, that Rob's words were just like staying with me and digging into me so much because it was like, um, I need to kind of liberate myself from feeling guilt and shame over the, who do I think I am that I get a new painting studio. Right. Because that piles onto it, right? You're feeling, you know, you're feeling shame over feeling guilty over feeling shameful. You right. Know, it's sad to do it. And then that comes back to the martyrdom. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like this, this loop. And so when he talked about like, let gratitude be the fundamental posture here, like be grateful for it because it's looser. It can help you. And here I am the person that does all these gratitude lists. And I, and I do feel it when I write it. And it's almost like I can quickly forget it as soon as I step away from my desk. So that's why I do the practice because I'm trying to change my thinking around things. But if I, if I accept this new studio, what does that mean for me? Like I have to place meaning on things. And does it mean that I'm now worthy, that I'm now worthy to call myself a quote unquote artist? Does it mean that I'm um, legit, I guess? (laughs) Does it mean that I, um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what it means. Well, it could just mean a space. It could just mean that it's this this space because your other place is falling apart. Right, right. Which is in in its most practical sense that that is a true statement. Um, But, you know, and I wrote down too, and, and you mentioned it before, it's that voice of who do you think you are? You know, that feeling of being too big for your britches. Oh, yeah. Feels so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that Marianne Williamson quote, you know, it's, you'll feel, you know, the uncomfortable feeling is that your light will just be too big. Um, that's a very loose interpretation of that <laughs> quote. Please look it up. I don't have it written down, but mm-hmm. <laughs> your light will shine too bright. Yeah. And that's, and that feels so uncomfortable. Well, that's all tied to worthiness then, right? Mm-hmm, like, are we sure. worthy? Are we, are we, um, the discomfort zone is when I'm feeling not worthy. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced almost two years worth of content and have over half a million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing and appreciate our weekly consistency, you can be a patron of this show for as little as a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to patreon.com backslash the Unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. When I decided to go back to college, Sandra, after um, I quit drinking, right? It was a month, one month-ish. And I was like, I need to do something with my time. And I never felt worthy. I never, um, other people would talk about which college they went to. And I've always, my whole life, shied away from those conversations, took a drink, <laughs> Uh, you know, change social circles at the, whatever event I was at, I never wanted to talk about college. So it's been this thing that I didn't feel like it was available to me since I quit. And when I quit drinking, I knew I needed to change that story. And it's been a long time coming, changing that story. And it's still not fully there because it's still not fully realized. But, um, but going back to it, at least I like kind of face that discomfort Going to school on that first day of school, Sandra, was 
so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt so nervous. I mean, I felt like everybody knew it was my first day, which no one knew, by the way. <laughs> World was not revolving around Tammy, which I always thought it did. And, um, you know, but that taught me, even going to my first art class, like I, that discomfort of being there not having the right supplies and feeling dorky and having this old suitcase that I had like my supplies in, like I just looked ridiculous and I looked like me, I guess. But, um, it's interesting because I'm so glad that I did it though. I'm so glad that I stayed in that discomfort zone and I did the thing that was uncomfortable because that first class, my first art class, that professor is my mentor now. I'm having coffee and lunch with her on Friday. We've become friends. She guides me and gives me really great advice, like trying to keep my two studios, like keeping the old one and keeping the new one. She was like, you need both. Um, you're big enough for that. You have enough, you know, you could paint. You need, anyhow, she's like guiding me in this way. And had I never gone and walked in that class and been awkward and uncomfortable, I wouldn't be right here today, you know, going, I get to paint, I get to go out there, I get to take up more space. Right, right. I am worthy. Right. And you, and you bring up, bring up a good point. You'll never do enough research. (laughs) You'll never have enough shiny new, you know, supplies or technology or whatever you think you need to just jump in. Um, You'll, you'll never be caught up to speed. <laughs> yeah. You just have to, you just start. have to do it. You just have to start. And if that's the only thing anybody takes out of this whole episode, what you just said, Sandra. Right. <laughs> just start something. Just start. Yeah. Because I promise you, like, yeah, if I hadn't painted on a piece of paper from my coffee cup, gave myself permission to say, I don't have any paints. I'm just going to use this coffee. And then I had beet juice the next day and I had fun. And then that like started something and it sounds so silly and it sounds so small, but then now I paint really big paintings now, which in four years time, that's, or five years time, that's surprising to me, you know, but not impossible to think that that could happen. Now I know. And so since I have that information, when I feel discomfort now, it, it is that invitation and it is that like, okay, what's going to come next? What is it offering me? You know, what's on deck? Right. Oh. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I will add one more thing to that too. Being scrappy and using what you have um, oftentimes will create some originality right. <laughs> right. to your personal you know, your personal style or creativity or work. Um, so don't ever, you know, discount, don't let that hold you back. Well, what did you say earlier about mining? Yeah. Mining your own life, mining your stories, mining what you, your past experiences, your, your humor, what makes you laugh, what, what, you know, things you've actually accomplished because we've all accomplished something. That's a great exercise, I think, for me or, or for anyone listening, just to write it down. Yeah. Like, just like you're like, just like I listen to, you know, podcasts and write down notes and things and put these things in my notebooks, like go through your notebooks, 
I heard someone recently say like, you need to go back and reread when you finish a notebook, this person, and I can't remember who it was said, go back and reread your notebook or your journal before you start a new one. And I thought that's an interesting practice because you, you deposit so many things. I do deposit so many things in there and they're great in the moment that I'm capturing them, but then I forget them. Right. But then when you go, let, go back and look and you're like, look how smart I was that day. Oh my <laughs> God. Funny. I'm so smart. Genius. <laughs> genius. Yeah. My, my notebook, like if I, I have to have quotation marks for what I'm stealing from other people. Right. So if it's, right. not, if it's not in quotation marks, <laughs> right. I'm like, I thought that. Right. Oh. And then you're like, and then you realize that was Anne Lamont. Oh, damn. Yeah. No, no. I, <laughs> well, what did I put? Um, yeah, no, just that, just that. Yeah. That, that <laughs> other people I'll go back and read their words, but when reading my own actually surprises me because I'm like, Oh, I put that together and then I forgot it. And it's nice to remember it again because right. it takes me several times to kind of cement a new concept or idea. And um, when I was teaching this last week at Wright Bay, that was a complete discomfort zone to be a teaching artist and to be with people who have, you know, best-selling novels and um, people who have big careers and who do I think I am? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, Sandra, because I had discomfort last fall when I was invited to do this because of um, some health issues and panic and flying um, but when I got to Dobe, I felt like I just owned what I was going to teach. And that came from being uncomfortable and doing women's circles and doing this podcast with you, right? Mm-hmm. Continuously. Um, it came from all of the listening that I've done, meetings that I've gone to, uh, following different creatives, listening to podcasts, everything was like, this, I, it all stirred up inside of me and it came out as mine. I wasn't copying anybody. I wasn't, I was being me. And it was the first time I was a little nervous before I did it. And a little, um, I wouldn't say I was uncomfortable. I was just had a little bit of nervousness around it. I didn't have to take any beta blockers. Um, I did have a LaCroix in my hands. (laughs) Um, But when I sat down to say, I'm like, I'm only teaching like what I do and I know what I do. Right. Right. I know what my morning routine is. I know what an accountability project is. I can actually share this with everyone because I know it. Right. And it felt like I was in this zone of, it was really beautiful. Yeah. And And you're right. You let your life and your experiences build on each other. But if I had asked Tammy a year ago, you know, Project yourself to Tammy that leads the talk at Wright Bay. It would have felt overwhelming. You know, you're like, I can't, I'll never get there. Well, that's why, because last May when I had those panic attacks, I stopped painting, Sandra. I haven't painted really since last May. I had my show in June, everything's sitting in the garage. All the canvases are prepped and primed and ready to go. because I had a whole idea for a new series and I couldn't make myself do it. And so I came home and you're right a year later. So if you had told me last May, you're going to lead a workshop and you're going to do this at Wright Bay and you're going to, you're going to be a teaching artist alongside these other people. I would have just said you're out of your mind. Right. Cause it would have felt too unattainable. Right. And it's like this. So 
what I did with that discomfort, and I think you do this as well. I know a lot of our friends in recovery do it. It's like I started kind of, I was my own project because remember the world revolving and the whole thing. (laughs) I, I became my own kind of creative project and how was I going to shift how I felt and what was I going to do to make myself better? And how was I going to fill myself up spiritually and creatively? And how could I get back on this path of feeling solid? Um, which I've slowly kind of done and shared on this program over the weeks and that have made up this last year, but it was a really beautiful feeling to know that, um, I didn't let discomfort or that I didn't let that feeling of fear, um, keep me from saying yes. Right. Right. So I think that's, if the listeners are, they have something big they want to do, or they're not comfortable in crowds, or they're saying, you know, I, um, I'm anxious. I have a lot of anxiety. Um, there's a, there's a cure for that. And I, and I, and I don't, I mean, everybody's cure is different, but the whole, again, researching yourself, mining yourself, coming back to yourself, figuring out what makes you tick, listening to the restlessness, right? You're saying that's an invitation. I absolutely, I mean, I love that Sandra because it is, it's a, it's a call to action. Right. And what are we going to do with that? Mm-hmm. And even if you're right, and like you said, even if your action is just reframing your thinking around it, like, you know, is that true? Um, I think that's a Byron Katie question. Um, is that true? You know, I, 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 I can't operate in a crowd. Is that true? Can you not? Do you have instances in your life where you actually did operate in a crowd? Um, you know, pull from that. So I think that that's a really, uh, just to help you reframe your thinking, you know, it's too late for me. My ship has sailed. Uh, there's not enough time. Are all those things true? Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the discomfort zone is just, it's like, it's almost like what we've talked about with, um, I know both of us have had our readings done by, um, Natha Campanella and it's a, I think that she helped me really frame, like, do you listen to your intuition? I know I didn't when I was drinking. It was there guiding me all along my whole life, actually. But it wasn't until she kind of framed it and asked the question and said, hey, you know, as a kid, you know, do you know when you might have shut this down? Does that resonate with you? And I'm like, oh, I know exactly when I did that. Seven years old. Yeah, I know exactly what happened. And the discomfort zone is the same as our intuition. It's, it's the same. It's telling us something. We have to listen mm-hmm. to it and we have mm-hmm. to figure out like, what are you going to do with that? What is the next right thing, I guess, or the right thing for you? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to add, yeah, yeah, I was going to add another one. <laughs> this one is, could have a humorous spin on it, but um the feeling of being impulsive, impulsivity mm. is an uncomfortable feeling for me. Mm. Um, I <clears throat> have learned now that I can write out any urge that I don't have to satisfy every single desire that I may have. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I won't die from that. Um, that's another way to, to look as, at discomfort. Um, is this discomfort going to kill you? No, it's not. So you can probably amend it. You can write it out. 
you can do other things um but it's it's not going to it's not going to actually harm you in any way i've i've recently um i've done a couple of things that i've had to tell the truth on myself to shut that down sandra mhm you know like that's an action that you can actually take like i'm going to tell the truth on myself and then that will stop that feeling mhm um it's not comfortable <laughs> Right. <laughs> but it usually stops the feeling. So it's like there's a, that's a solution. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that is a good, that is a good point. Um, because yeah, it forces you to look at what you're denying or the truth of something and then to actually, yeah, say it out loud. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things, um, impulsivity. I was, I was just thinking when you, when you, started with that. I was like, I don't think I'm an impulsive person. No. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am on things, certain things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it can be around food. It can be around, you know, scrolling on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, an impulse to strip all your clothes off and run through the streets naked. Um, well. you know, or <laughs> text an old boyfriend or, <laughs> Yeah, all of those things. But, you know, just going back to asking yourself again, staying mindful and asking yourself questions like, is this urge going to kill me? Can I write it out? Do I have to satisfy every single desire that I have? No, you don't. You don't. You can. And, and is, is that going to cause some discomfort? Probably. Yeah. But we're not going to die from that. You're not going to die from it. And no. it may last five or 10 minutes. Well, that's what I think like, girlfriends are so important for me because you guys are the ones I get to um, deposit those things with or those truths or things that can relieve me of impulsivity, right? Like to talk some things out and finding a person that can be your person. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, and that's not always your spouse, you know, it can, I find that I need that in, um, in the friends that I have. Right. Right. Yeah. Or in a meeting or, you know, in a somewhere where you're a little more even anonymous is a good place to oh, deposit yeah. those. That's why I love when I travel and I go to meetings, I feel like super anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm not so anonymous in my home group, right? Because we get to know each other in there. And um, it's not that I don't tell the truth, but I have to time and place and room and depends you know that's what my sponsor is for too if i can't deposit it in a room i deposit it with her mm -hmm. which is really helpful it's so helpful like we were talking about sponsorship over the weekend with some friends and just talking about how one my sponsor once told me like that i was a channel to god and how i said like that's a lot of pressure <laughs> and the the women aren't in recovery that i was chatting with us about but they're like that's so cool it's like it just i like that saying like you just you, it's like you give it away. You, you remove it from yourself, right? The feeling that the truth, whatever it is and it, without it. And it depends how someone would receive it in a sponsor role. You know that you're not going to let it land on your shoulders. You're supposed to just let it travel through you and out of you. You don't, you don't hold on to it, mm -hmm. which I think is so magical about a sponsorship relationship. If you have a good one, you know, that you can deposit truths there. Right. And not feel judged and not feel um, guilty 
or at least I don't, it feels like a relief. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think good girlfriends can do that too. Yes, definitely. Or good friends. Yeah, definitely. Um, One more I have written down. How do you feel about boredom? Does that make you feel Mm. restless? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> right. For sure. That's like, that's yeah. maybe, maybe the number one, Sandra, you may have hit the uh-huh. head there. Yeah. yeah. I know. That could cause trouble too, being good. Right. Or mm-hmm. it could just, you could just fill it with busy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's the boredom makes you, perhaps that's the feeling you go like what wants to be created. What wants to be born here? Mm-hmm. When you're bored, you have some time to think about that. Right. Space, but it can be uncomfortable for sure. That could be a big discomfort zone, being bored. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, uh, it was one of, you know, um, if you ask me one of the many reasons why I hung on to alcohol as long as I had is because I was convinced that it kept me from being bored. Mm. Uh, yeah, because, you know, I never knew what was going to happen after I started drinking. You never know. You never know. So exciting. Girl's going to (laughs) do. So exciting. Will I lose my purse tonight? I don't know. (laughs) Probably. Probably. (laughs) Will she do something inappropriately with, you know, that, that, old boyfriend who knows oh i think she I know. shed a few <laughs> articles of clothing maybe yeah how about it's mystery exciting. bruises it's exciting <laughs> it is exciting yeah but yeah and you know and of course we all know now that the that the the curtain has been pulled back <laughs> mm-hmm. that it really is just the same old monotonous loop that you're stuck in but yeah. But uh, it felt like a cure for boredom. You know, it also made me okay with just doing menial tasks like washing dishes or, um, you know, other things that I deemed boring. Well, when things are boring too, like you can start, nostalgia can kick in, right? Uh Uh-huh. You could start thinking things were really awesome the way they used to be. <laughs> right. And start like, that. that's kind of dangerous. Nostalgia, uh-huh. I think, can be really dangerous, especially for what it was like when we used to be drinking or what it was like when we used to, you know, go see live music all the time and how free we were. And Right. Yeah. Especially when you're only holding on to the euphoric, positive mm-hmm. feelings that whatever that, that scene yeah. produced. Yeah, I think nostalgia uh, surrounding my drinking and partying and whatever you want to call it, um, that's a dangerous place. And I could definitely go there when I'm bored, Sandra. Yeah. Play that whole what if game and why can't I game and how come they can still drink like that? I, it's, um, and that comes up for me when, there's, when I'm bored. Yeah. And that feels really uncomfortable, <laughs> which is a good you know, it's a good uh, indicator for me to do something about that. Mm-hmm. Move, move, start something new. Pivot, Read a book, even distract yourself. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Back to basics. Yeah. Go to the library, um, do the things, take a hot shower. Um, 
that's what happened very much in the, in the beginning of sobriety, right? Like I did feel a little bit bored. I felt a, a lot exhausted, mm-hmm. right? Our bodies are just, we've talked about this, about how sleep, just, just sleep. If you're newly sober, just sleep mm-hmm. and take care of yourself. Like you're pregnant, you know, just really, really take care of yourself. But it gave me too much time to think. And I felt like, you know, you think being sober is going to be so boring. Um, it's not, you know, we're here to tell you it's not. Oh no. no. I don't have enough hours in the day now. Right. Like I have to reserve time to be bored, to just be bored and let my thoughts, you know, meditate or, or, you know, let my thoughts, you know, that's just where I, how I, get inspiration usually yeah. is if I just have some downtime to just be bored and let my brain meander, mm-hmm. but it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that for months and that's why, I don't know, finding, um, finding a creative outlet. I mean, this is what we talk about on the show and this is what we ask our guests to come on and, and chat about like, tapping into, um, my creative side saved me from being bored. For sure. Even if that was just drawing with my kids, broken crayons or, um, watercoloring, like I said, with coffee, like it, it did something for me that I slowly started. It was like a muscle that I was developing. Oh, that I liked that. That was all right. That was a good feeling that, that feeling is, I want that feeling again. So what do I need to do to get, to keep that feeling? Because I'm tired of feeling, um, less than unworthy, um, shameful, all the things that I was feeling in the beginning. Um, and I realized that I had total control over it, but that didn't come for a while. Like, even though I was kind of, it was almost like I was sleepwalking in the beginning, Sandra, like I was doing the next right thing for me without even knowing I was doing the next right thing. Like going to that college campus and walking into the administrator's office, I was so nervous. I was sweating. Um, I thought, I don't know what I thought. Like they're going to tell me no, but I did it anyway. And then I did the next thing. And then you, then you go to the class and then you take the, you do the homework and you take the test. And it was like that first year, again, intuition, spirit, higher power, whatever it was, pulled me through that first year, you know, eventually brought me to the rooms of AA um, eventually got a sponsor. All of it was kind of in this fuzzy, hazy. Life was pretty um, boring, mm-hmm. and I was slowly um, populating it with these things and people, and making friendships and reaching out. And Instagram was a big part of it. Just reading books was so much of a part of it, right? Just filling myself back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, in those times of boredom and of quiet and of um, where my mind would get churning. I had to channel it. And I think that if I, I'm so glad, I'm so grateful that I, I listened to it. Cause like I said, it wasn't a conscious thought. I don't think any of these things were like, this is going to fix this. I'm going to be so much better in a year. It was never that. Right. It's not like a plan that you made for yourself, an executable plan. I could see that now. Like we could Mm -hmm. do that now. Right. Cause sure. In hindsight. Yeah but I was fumbling and stumbling through. And I think it's really beautiful when I look back. I I love that phrase in the rooms of, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's information. 
Right. I use that information to kind of keep going. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm bored today, like you mentioned, like when I'm bored, I know I have some tools. I have some things that I know I can do um, to move out of that space. Right. And I know that it works because it's worked before. And that's what I kind of think when we're doing this stuff, Sandra, like it's this proof. Um, I love that saying proof of life. Like this is proof that it worked because it got me through one day. Right. Right. Can maybe get me through another. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm all teary. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and and again, I keep saying this, but it's, it's reframing your thinking around boredom to, um, what good can come from this? What could can come from this feeling? What productive thing can come from this feeling of being bored? Mm-hmm. But yeah, That's not a sentence, right? No, no, yeah, exactly, exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Let's see, there was a. <clears throat> Do you have other examples? You want to I think those were my. Those were. I think we covered all of the ones I wrote down. Oh, good. Um. There was a few questions that Rob had asked Rob Bell on his second, like another Anatomy of Restlessness podcast. Mm-hmm. He did his part two, basically. Part yeah. Two. And I know we're talking about the discomfort zone mostly here because he already covered all of restlessness. Like, I mean, I thought it was such a fantastic epi- two episodes. So people, I highly encourage to go listen to episode 231 and 232. Um, but he did like a little, a few questions at the end that I think, I was going to do a couple because I think they pertain to what we're talking about here. Yeah, please. I don't remember this. So. Yeah. Um, it just like, so like discomfort being our guide, right? Being the compass. Like when we have those uncomfortable feelings or get into a situation where we have great discomfort. Um, I, I know now that they're going to be growth from that and that he, like he talked about it and I definitely, I'm totally going to adopt this because he talks about how spirit hovers like a bird um, mm-hmm. above us. Like that was the imagery that he said. And, um, I remember him saying this when I saw him at the beginning of this year, like spirit hovers above the darkness. Um, so spirit, I think definitely can hover above the discomfort zone and it's guiding us and that spirit wants to create spirit. Spirit's all about forward motion and newness and going forward. And so he had some questions, um, that when we're feeling these kind of feelings of restlessness or discomfort, you know, is, you could ask yourself, is it calling me to, or speaking to me or inviting me to more, or is it inviting me to less? Like, do I need to do more things, get more creative, uh, take on a bigger project? Is that, is there an invitation, like you said, Sandra, to to do something like that? Mm -hmm. Or pull back. Or do you need to like shed some things? Right. Do you need to remove some obligations from your calendar? Do you need to take a step back and say, I need to readjust, you know, how I'm doing things? Can I, can I let go of some things? And I like those questions. Like, does it, does it, you know, is it inviting you to do more or is this feeling inviting you to do less? And I thought Mm -hmm. that was really simple that if you start feeling in that discomfort zone that you could ask yourself that. Right. And don't let that question overwhelm you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, don't overthink it. <laughs> you may right. Don't overthink it. You may not know the act the exact answer at the time you ask mm-hmm. it, but it will come to you probably. Yeah. 
Um, the other one that I liked was about, is this feeling about something new being birthed, like to create, or is it about doubling down on what's here right now and like getting to business? Mm-hmm. Like, what is that feeling telling you? You're uncomfortable. Do you need to flee, <laughs> you know, or do you need, or do you, or, um, and create something new and have new life into it? Do you need to begin again? Or do you need to like get to business? Right. With what you have in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have to say one caveat to that is that's a really important question for an Enneagram seven, which I know that Rob Bell is as well. So Ah. I can see why he added that to his list of questions Mm -hmm. because our tendency is to start something new without, without completing, fully completing something that you already have in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one more, I mean, he did 10 of them, but our 20 questions, but I'll just, this other one was, um, is this feeling about needing to take a break from what you've been doing or is the feeling because there is a continuity that I need to carry on with? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Those are, and I thought that really good. Yeah. Um, for me, I needed to take a break earlier this year with like my gratitude lists and, I did that. And what it told me was that I need to not take a break, <laughs> that they really are a foundation to me and that I really, they are integral, integral to my recovery. Mm. So I do need to push on with my continuity and, um, and I need to carry on with it because it serves me. It really um, helps my mental and emotional sobriety. And it makes me feel, so like just examining those things, are you uncomfortable? I was feeling a little exposed. I was feeling like, am I being too showy, like showing off my lists? Um, I was having doubt. And so I took a break and thought, well, let's see how this feels. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel great. You know? Right. And that's a really good, that's, that's a really um, important example of, you know, sometimes you don't know the answers, but you yeah. just have to you, you, you have to try things mm-hmm. and pivot and see how that feels. Yeah. And that's why I love that mantra by, I'm sure Rich Hole, he heard it from somebody else, but just the mood follows action. Like mm-hmm. if we, if that can be my guide, all of our guides, right? Like if you, if you listen are tapping into your mood and uh, you're not doing anything, like if I'm in a bad mood and I just keep kind of wallowing in it, I know that I have to do something about it. It's just like taking that action. If I mm-hmm. if I could make myself do it, uh, right? I don't have to stay in the discomfort zone is my point. Like it's exactly what you said. It's an invitation, right? Yeah, that makes me think of. I don't quote a lot of people either, but um, there was an on being um, podcast I listened to right at the beginning of my sobriety. There, it was about Rabbi Heschel, mm-hmm. and um, he said this thing that has stuck with me, you know, for almost five years. And he said, do the deed, like do the thing, the intention will follow. So don't get so wrapped up in how is this going to make me feel? Am I doing the right thing? Do I have the right mindset? Am I, is this egotistical? You know, all of those questions, just do, just do the deed, do the thing. Mm -hmm. And the intention, your intention will present itself later yeah. often almost like a surprise sometimes like mm-hmm. because you were listening to yourself right yeah right it, and uh, right it, the, the 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 thing the deed is again 
we keep saying this word, but it's an invitation. It's asking, it's asking you come this way. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to question it. You don't have to write a term paper about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to do it and more will be revealed. More will be revealed. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that's a nice place to end it, Sandra. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And and my three things for our Enruffle toolbox will oh, yeah. definitely complement everything that we've just talked about. Oh, good. Yeah, people, um, I have to say, I people are so sweet to us. And um, there were several listeners at the Right to Bay. And um, they like our three things. <laughs> oh, they do. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's fun, right? I like, I like hearing what other people do or, you know, what their tools are that week. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, yeah. We had a listener in our secret Facebook group post something about, you know, like little rewards or little special self-care things, ideas she wanted um, that felt like, instant gratification that didn't cost money. Mm-hmm. And there were so many good ideas in the oh, thread. Yeah. We may do a whole podcast about it, but, um, but that made me think of the three items in the toolbox. Cause a lot of times there are things that are free. They don't cost money yeah. often. And there are little things that you just don't, sometimes you just need somebody to remind you, Oh yeah, that, that does work. That is a tool. There's a saying, um, I have a really good forgetter. Yeah. You know, <laughs> So I have a really good forgetter and it is nice to be reminded for sure. Um, My things are all free as well. So I can't wait to talk about it. I think we have a little theme here, Sandra. Right, right. Yeah. Like she even had this idea. She learned, she heard about this on Instagram that somebody suggested to put all these ideas in like a little, uh, write them on a strip of paper and put them in a jar, which, you know, makes something tangible even out of it. And when you're in that place where you're like, I need a tool, I need a free tool. You can just, you know, dig your little hand in there and pick one out. Move you out of the discomfort zone. Take some action. Yes. Mm -hmm. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. Well, what's in your unruffled toolbox? Okay. So my first one, yes, I'll start. So my first one, and I've mentioned it several times already, is just getting in the flow of whatever uh, I am in the flow with several things. I just ended my photo shoot that I've been in the flow working on for several weeks. And now I'm picking up with working on this mentorship program. Um, been, and then again, speaking of mining things, I've been mining blog posts because I've been working on all this stuff. And I was looking back at 2018, just um, last year, and I had a really big, I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the year when we did our, we did our year in review. Yeah. And when I finished my ebook, I had a really huge um, months of restlessness mm. and discomfort, and it's because I didn't have another thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> to that jump. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't have another thing that I jumped right into, and there is scientific proof. Um, maybe at some point I'll pull up the article, but there's lots of scientific proof now that getting into the flow of something actually does elevate your mood. Um, It elevates your consciousness and keeps your energy 
up. Now, of course, you can't stay up all the time and there is a point of rest. And but having something else to kind of get right back into really um I mean, the proof is in the pudding. When I was looking back at 2018, it was like, oh, that's why I felt so restless and discontent for so many months. Well, you had such a big, it was such a big project, such a big Mm -hmm. undertaking. And then, yeah, when it's done, it's almost like a wedding, right? When the wedding's over, there's like this little depression afterwards. Like, huh. But I stayed there. I stayed there and I stayed there for too long and it just manifested itself. So anyway, getting in the flow. That's mine. First one. I like it. I like it. Um, well, lately I have, <laughs> excuse me, um, I'm fighting something. Um, I am, I have been collaging my feelings, Sandra. That mm. has been a tool I've been using. Um, I took Amanda Grace's raw uh, email course um, and I'd taken her workshop in the fall and I'd kind of been dabbling with collage. And it's been such a great way when I'm feeling a certain way or when I've had a dream um, and I wake up feeling like I miss Casey, um, or I, uh, I have a longing, um, is the best way to describe it. I can pull out my, um, collage stuff, which Amanda has, there's this little trick, um, that she taught us. And I hope that's okay that I'm sharing it, but she taught me, um, you have a stash of images and then you have a stash of words and you keep them kind of in, have them in a little zipper bag. And so when I feel like writing something out or mining for words, right, I can just go to that bag. They're already cut up and I can Mm. just go put it together like poetry or something or or Mm -hmm. try to translate that feeling. Right. It's almost like you're channeling it and just letting it come through you and you may not even know what the outcome's going to be until it's done. Oh, totally. And it feels so good. So to kind of wake up, stumble out of bed, get tea, and then start collaging my feelings is what I'm saying. Like just until it feels good again, until I feel Mm -hmm. like it's whatever needed to come out. Um, Some of it doesn't even make sense. And in the end, sometimes it doesn't even translate to what I was dreaming or thinking. It just, it just scratches the itch. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) In a free, healthy way. (laughs) Right. In a very free, healthy way, which is what we're all about. Scratching that itch. That should be the name of our show. Okay. Well, my second one is actually, um, by the time this airs, it will have been a tool. Uh, but this weekend I'm going camping. So I'm going to have a hat looking forward to some unplugging, lots of scrabble, lots of time outside and soaking up some vitamin D and fresh air and just unplugging. Nice. Yeah. Oh, so when do you leave? We leave uh, on Thursday evening. Okay. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. It's a nice long weekend then. For you yeah. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, this next one might sound a little silly, but I'm telling you, it really helps me. I have been, you know, I do my Instagram stories with my tea ritual, which signifies the next 24 hours for me. It's like a visual reset button. And I share that on Instagram. And you wouldn't believe how many comments I get. People, when I don't do it, (laughs) where's your tea? I missed your tea today. Um, Very sweet. And when I took a month off, they were like, we missed your tea ceremony. And and, and it's just me pouring tea, but it's just, it's kind of fun. It's a creative outlet, I guess. And that's how I like to use Instagram and for community. Um, But I've, I've been picking a daily theme song. 
and I'll wake up the same and feel like, what, what do I need? What do I need upon waking? Um, and it's just fun. So I put a little song with my tea ritual now, and I've been doing that. And it's just been a fun little creative thing that helps me kind of kickstart my day. I love it. I love that. Yep. I love it. Um, okay. Well, my third one is, uh, laughter. Mm. Totally free. Um, I have, I will long, speaking of longing, I will long for just like a good belly laugh. Mm. And I saw my kid do some improv on Sunday and a bunch of just hilarious kids and laughter just fills me up. Watched Amy Schumer's new special. If you haven't watched <laughs> it on Netflix yet, I, I watched it. highly recommend. <laughs> it's fantastic, right? It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, At one point <laughs> she lifts up her dress and she's just in her big, beautiful pregnant belly in her undies and she yeah. talks about yeah how she you know how she hasn't been able to shave properly in months it when is- she started talking about sex though with her husband <laughs> i'm sorry from behind and like oh my God. being on all fours I, and she's like the look on her face like she's like, oh my god people please it's very funny it's so Dude. funny. I mean, and Netflix, so smart. Netflix is not free, but it's, you know, relatively free. Most of us have it. It's so, I highly recommend, mm. highly recommend watching that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. That is. I dare that is you to leave. So yeah. Good. Not feeling better about just about everything for a while. So yeah. that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Good one. Um, my last tool in my toolbox that I'm kind of slowly working on this week is um, one of the talks at, at Right Do Bay was given by Jen Ferber, um, who has been a guest on our show. And she took a 157-page manifesto that Daniel Blue wrote, um, who's also been on our show, and she turned it into a workshop, um, a two-page lesson plan, because she's an art teacher. She turned it into a lesson plan for all of us. And it was called the art of business as the human body. And so my third item is building a wheelhouse is what I'm going to do. And I took that from her teachings. And what that means is that the art of business as the human body is that she has a a drawing of the human body, um, the brains, the ears, the lungs, the right hand, the reproductive system. And she kind of her and Daniel have, have named these things. Like, um, I'll give you an, an, an example. Um, your eyes are the vision for your business, for your creative business. Who do you need to help you with that? Because you, you probably can't do it all for your business. Like, um, your nose is the navigation system. Your mouth is the director. So who's, who's the mouth? Well, I'm the mouth because it's my business. It's my creative vision. Um, a lot of them will be you, but there's going to be some areas in your body, in your business body that you can't do. And so I'm kind of at this stage of like, I need some help with things Mm. and asking for help and bringing people into your creative wheelhouse is what she was talking about. Mm. Um, So like the right hand is proficiency. Um, Steve helps me with that, um, with technology. Tiffany Hahn, my creative coach helps me with that with some things. Um, So 
trying to map out my body with this map that she gave us um, and seeing where I need help. Uh, like, like, for example, the stomach is like the digestive system. It's like how things work, the money. Well, I have a CPA for that, right? Even if he's late to the party. <laughs> um, but basically kind of sourcing out what can you do in your creative body? What is in your wheelhouse that you're super good at? And then what is not in your wheelhouse that you need to outsource or ask for help from somebody? Oh, that's a great tool. So I think building my wheelhouse, you know, you're in my wheelhouse, Sandra, and you help me. And um, Natalie helps me. Tiffany Hahn helps me. Um, I need to ask for some more help from some other people. And that's on my list this week to reach out um, to create some things that I have on my list. And I was like, I've been putting these off because I don't know how to do them. And I've kind of reached out, but in a way that felt weak <laughs> and kind of like I was just like testing it. But no, I need to build this creative wheelhouse so that I can kind of move my creative business forward. And so I'm going to be adding people this week. That's my tool. That's a good one. That's a really, that's clever. Yeah. I'll share it with you. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. I think we did it. Yeah, I think so. I hope this was helpful Yeah. to anyone. Yeah judging their uncomfort zones, discomfort zones, <laughs> uncomfort. That was a word I just made up. Uncomfortable <laughs> <Yeah>. zones, <laughs> discomfort zones, restless yeah. zones. Yeah. Yeah. Just tapping in. And I think like, like we've said, and not to, to beat it to death, but just when we remove substances from our life, like we have some clarity, we have some right. space, we have an openness that we didn't have before. And we can actually feel all the feelings that we're feeling. And sometimes that can be overwhelming, but it's all information. Right. And so we can use that for good. Yep. Yeah. All right. We did it. We did Have it. Have a day, my friend. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.